as we begin, and just with having this perspective of being grateful, expressing gratitude, because I, I, I think sometimes in the everything that we're doing, it's, it's so easy to miss that. To say, you know what, I got this all that I'm dealing with, but actually there's a lot to say thank you to God for. So is there maybe one person here today that can come and share a 60-second testimony, a one-minute testimony, not two minutes, just, 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 just one minute. I'm going to share the word here in just a moment, but is there somebody, you know, maybe in the last month, maybe in, in the last week or so, maybe something that's happened in this recent season of life where God has shown up and he's done something and he set you free or saved you or did the miracle or worked it out or whatever it has happened, this is what I want you to know. What he's done in your life and what you have to say and to share is going to be a blessing to somebody else. We've gathered here together in his name. So is there one person... Um, that maybe you, you got something you could share. Yeah, you want to can, can you come forward? And um, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to say I was going through um, a struggle. I have I have ulcerated colitis, and I had a really bad flare up. And when I I went to the hospital, I found out that my um, blood level was at a five, and normally we're supposed to be at like a 15. So they had to do um, blood transfusion to me, and I lost a tremendous amount of weight. And while I was in the hospital, you know, I just, I gave everything to the Lord, and the church here prayed for me, Pastor Jack Rodrigo, thank you. Pastor Jack, thank you for helping out. I appreciate you, but the Lord's been good. and. Um, it's been an awesome journey. I've been off of work, and it, it's been a struggle a little bit, but I just put that in his hands, too, and everything, just so far, everything's been going good, you know. I'm on my way to um, recovering now. I've picked up about another 20 pounds, so, you know. So I'm just, I'm grateful, and, you know, once I put everything in his hands and I asked him, you know, to heal me, you know, you have to accept his healing too. You know, you know, give it to him and believe that he's going to heal you. That's for me. That's what was key for me. Is, you know, I had faith that he was going to do it. I knew he was going to do it, and he pulled through. You know, all the way around from healing me to financial. Just I just trust in him. That's all. That's all I got to say. Amen. Man, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. And as we begin today, thank you so much for sharing that, that testimony. And as we begin today, that's, that's the perspective that I want us to go into. I think that's, this is where God is leading us next. And in order for God to take us to where we, he is leading us to go, we have to have a perspective of gratitude. We've got to be able to look at the things, the situations Whatever's happening in life, and yes, I might be dealing with this, but I can see God's hand. I can see his blessing. I can see his provision. I can see what he's doing. There, there's, he's, he's here. And with a heart of gratitude, that is going to put you in position so that God works out the rest of the things, but it's, it's coming with gratitude. With that being said, let's take a moment to pray, and we'll jump in here to, um, to today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and all that you're doing, for the powerful moments in, 
in worship this morning that just seem to make our hearts so tender before you and ready to hear your voice, God, to to receive the answer that you have for us. And I just pray, God, that you would give us your wisdom. Give us your wisdom, your wisdom that comes, Lord, from only you. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us in such a way, God, that you just begin to put together the pieces, that you would just begin to release healing over us, God. You would restoration and new strength and new firm footing for us, Father. I just pray, God, that you would come and do miracles, signs, and wonders, that you would release your Holy Spirit to move as free as you would like to move, God, that you would just do a wonderful thing. So help us to understand how alive and real your word is today and how your promises are true. We thank you, and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. This is a box, as you can see, right? Now, a box has four sides, and as you can see, it has limits. It has spaces, right? I can um, take something and put it inside the box, and what is inside the box is limited to the capacity of the box, I want you to see this. I want you to, I want you to get this. I want you to understand. Whatever I put in this box is limited to the size of the box. Right. I have, I have now, now have put anything in here is now limited to the space and the size of the box, right? There's, there are certain limits here that are taking place. Not too long ago, I was uh, a couple of months back, actually, I was on my way to a memorial service, and I was driving, and I had went past the limits, the speed limits, and the cop pulled me over, and uh, he said, hey, you're driving a little fast, and I tried to tell him, listen, I'm a minister, I'm trying to get to this memorial service, you know, and he's like, it don't matter, you went past the limits, matter where you're trying to go, you went past the limits, yeah, you know I was going to try, you know. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I went past the limits. Have you ever thought about the way we try to put God in a box? Because sometimes we try to do that. We try to put... God inside of our box. See, on this side of the box, it says, what I got a handle on. Because there's some things in life that you got a handle on. You know, you know what that, that situation or that thing that's happening or what you're good at or what you could do? Yeah, I got a handle on that. So that goes in my box in this area. I got a handle on that. The problem is when it comes to our faith and the way that we see God and the way we understand how he can work and what he can do, we'll put him in the box. And this is what he can do because you see, we will believe him. We will have faith that, yep, he can forgive my sins. Oh, yeah, he can do that. Absolutely, he can, he can do that, right? Uh, I have faith that, that, that there's life after death. Absolutely, yes, my faith is great in that. But when it, when it comes to maybe the miracle that I need or the situation I'm going through, uh, I do have faith, but it's, but it's here in this box. 
And I'm not saying that we don't pray because we'll pray faithfully. We'll pray and we'll pray and we'll pray, but our faith isn't over here. It's inside of this box. And we will limit God on what he can do in our life. We will limit his power. We, we will limit to, to what his word declares that he can do. You know, I think a lot about, and the Lord has led me to, to, to really look into this story of David and Goliath and think about all that, that he did. And if you're familiar with the story, here's this young man who, who steps up to this, this huge, gigantic giant. And he, he go and he faces him and he conquers him in the name of the Lord. But prior to David showing up to face this giant, there had been all the armies, all the people, all kinds of men, all kinds of people stepped up to, to the giant. And they said, oh, no, I, that's, that's way too big for me. And they allowed the spirit of fear, because there is a spirit of fear, to come over them, to oppress them, and to cause them to see, oh, no, I can't handle that. Right? They could not see that God was bigger than the giants. But here comes little old David. Faith ain't in his box. It's not there. It's, it's way outside. And he looks at this giant and he, 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 he looks at the situation and he says, you will not defy the Lord God Almighty. Because he understands that the power of God is bigger than your giants. He understands that the miracles of God are true. That there is nothing impossible for him. And that faith isn't in this box. That faith isn't what, 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 what I gotta what I gotta handle. And if it's nice right there and it's limited to the space of, of what we gotta handle on. You see, the Bible reminds us in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, it says this Jesus looked at them intensely and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Can we say that together this morning? But not with God. Can we say it again? But not with God. Listen, one more time because we got to get this. Here we go. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. And as a church, God is leading us to a place of greater faith. And I get it. Some of you, you feel like, man, spirit, you know, you got great faith. There's, you, you believe God. But I'm, I'm not just talking to us as individually. I'm talking to us as a whole, as a church. God is leading us to have greater faith. To believe God for greater things. And I know you got some giants in front of you. you got some situations you got to work out. But God is leading us a greater faith, an elevated faith, that when God does it in your life, you know what? He's done it in mine. And when God does it in your life, you know what? He's done it in mine. And when God does it in my life, he's done it in your life. He's, he's leading us to this place of greater faith. Because we have faith that God will save us from sin. We have faith that God has eternal life, but that all of a sudden we're staring at our giant. We're like, oh, I, I don't know, God, if you, I mean, I believe you can do it, but you don't pray like he can do it. You don't walk around like, like, like he can do it. You know, somebody talks to you and they, they have a question. They say, hey, you know, hey, sis, hey, hey, hey brother, you know, um, how are you doing? I heard about that situation. You know, I just, you know, I want to encourage you. How, how's it going with that situation? And, and your response is like, oh, oh you know what? Uh, it's, it's been rough. I, you know, God can do it. But it's just, would you just pray for me? And your answer is so defeated. 
So to be, you love the Lord. I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. You love the Lord, but you're coming from a place of being so defeated because of the situation. Versus the opposite side of that is it's, it's, it's the confidence. Yeah, hey, hey, you know, they, they check in on you. Hey, brother, hey, you know, sister, how, how are you doing? I heard about the situation. How's all that going? How are you doing? How are you holding up? How are you handling? You know what? Yeah, you know, all of that's going on, but guess what? You know, actually, actually, right now, God's like in the process of working it all out. I'm believing him. Would you join me in believing him, right? Confidence. Believing that God's got you. Don't allow your faith to be shrinked to, to the things that are humanly possible. But let it outside of the box to the things that are maybe impossible with man, but not. But, but with God, all things are possible. Because he can do it. He can do the miracle. He can break the chains. He can restore the relationship. He can work the finances out. He can do it. He can do it. You see, the Bible teaches us about faith. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, he says this, and, and, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. Right? If you have faith. If you have faith. Because I get it. There are some things that it's easier to have faith for than others. But God is challenging that in us. As his church, as his people, as individuals, as our corporate gather, he is challenging that. That we would grow in faith. Because there are some things that we ask for prayer faithfully, but we really don't have faith that he'll do it. Do we pray like he can do it? Do we believe like he can do it? Do we walk around like he can do it? See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and, I, and, I, and I'm giving you the New American Standard Bible version today. I thought I switched it up. But it says this, now faith is the certainty of things for, hoped for. You know certainty? In, in, in the translation here, this is more of like a, a matter of a fact. Now faith is the matter of a fact of things hoped for. And then, and then I love this, a proof of things not seen. Proof, proof. Are you walking around like there's proof that God can do it? Or are you walking around defeated like God can't do it? How are we walking around? Where's the proof? Can anybody around you see the proof of your faith that God can do what has not even happened yet? And I'm not just talking about the people around you, but how about God? Can God see the proof in you? Does God see your faith actually elevated to a place? I mean, why does God say he, he talks about our faith the size of a mustard seed? Really? How, how, how small has our faith shrunk? We love the Lord. We believe he can do it. But do we really, really believe that he can do it? Do we really, really believe that he can change the outcome, that he can work out situations, that he can heal, that he can restore, that he, that he can provide, that he can make a way? Do we really, really believe? Are we walking around as the proof of our faith? Are we walking with such confidence? This kind of faith has removed the limits on God. Right, the, the box is saying, okay, you know what, the box has been the box has been kicked. The box has been let go. God, I believe you can do it in this relationship. I believe you can do it in my family. I believe you can do it in me. Are you familiar with Philippians 
You know, some people got it on a shirt, some people got it tattooed, you know. But it says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When your faith in God is in this box, that could never be true. That's just a nice saying. But when you take the limits off what God can do, you can walk in that victory. You can walk in that. Only with your faith in God, only when your faith in God is not limited to this box can this be true. But why? Why do we have access to experience the supernatural? Why? What has, what has God done? What has Christ done for us that we can have access? Why do we even have the right to even talk about being healed? about being set free, about being forgiven, about being restored, about experiencing his provision. Why, why do we even have access to even talk about such things, that there is a God who can do it in our life? There's a God who can make a way. There's a God who can, who can restore and set free and heal and provide. And why do we have access to any of that? You see, 700 years before Jesus would be born in the flesh, God woke up a man, filled him with his spirit, and called him to be a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And Isaiah was given words from God to speak and also to write down. And in his 53rd chapter, he writes these 12 verses that are so powerful and compelling and so prophetic to who Jesus would be and what he has done. And this morning, we're going to take a look at these 12 verses and unpack them and have a greater understanding of why we have access and why we can believe and why we can declare and why we can walk in this boldness, this authority that we is given from God. And as you look at these 12 verses, I want you to, I want you to see who the Lord Jesus Christ is and why he came and why we can walk in the spiritual authority that we have. And so we begin here in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. And it says this, Who has believed our message? Right, this is the remnant of Israel. And whom has the arm of the Lord, someone say arm of the Lord, been revealed right the arm of the lord is the power of god in action if you see in scripture and it says the arm of the lord this is the power of god in action verse 2 it says this he grew up before him someone say he someone say him see this is jesus and he has grown up before the father he grew up before him like a tender shoot like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. See, this is a prophetic utterance of who Jesus would be. Of how Jesus was. 700 years before Jesus was born, these words were written down. And Jesus, he had humble beginnings. There was, another, there was nothing outwardly in Jesus, nothing that people said, oh, yeah, I want to be around that brother. Ooh. He's, he's, 
He didn't look princely. He didn't look priestly. He, 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 didn't, he didn't look at them. They weren't looking at him and saying, oh, has he's grown old. Oh, oh, that kid, he's going to be somebody. They didn't look at him that way. Even young Jesus in, in, in the temple, and as he did that, they could not see him that way. They didn't see him that way, not at all. Verse 3, it says this. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. See, you got to understand this. Jesus was rejected. He was rejected by culture and society and by people everywhere. He was, he was rejected. He was despised. Nobody wanted him but his followers, and yet he died for all humanity. You see, Jesus was a man of suffering. And the Hebrew word here for suffering represents both physical and mental pain. That Jesus would experience these things in his body, but also in his mind. He would, he would have all the feelings and the thoughts and the experiences of all of it. Jesus was not exempt from suffering. He felt it. He went through it. All of it. Every single part of it. And so when it says that people hid their faces from him, he had all of that. When they said, oh, I don't know that guy. When people said, I, I, I don't, there's no connection. I, he, he felt all of that. You know, his followers loved him, but they weren't standing up for him. You know, there was Peter was cutting the, the, you know, the dude's ear off. But, but after that, once Jesus was arrested, next thing you know, Peter's like denying three times that I even know this brother. I don't know him. Jesus felt all of that. And the people in general held him in low esteem. Verse 4. Surely, someone say surely. He took up our pain. This surely, as, as, as a matter of a fact, this is what happened. He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. You see, Jesus became our substitute. And what he does is he takes our pain, he takes our sin on himself on this cross. This, this is what he bore on him. And then it says this, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Now, let me explain this in the context of what they believed at that time and at the same time what a lot of times we deal with. See, they looked at somebody when somebody was being punished or somebody was going through something. They said, oh, you must have deserved that. You probably did something, and God's getting you back for what you deserve. Sometimes we look at other people like that too. Oh, we see what you're going through. You must deserve that. You probably, God is probably getting you back. What comes around goes around. And we, and we, and we, and we and we'll think in these terms. This is, and we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and, 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 and afflicted. And you know, when we look at this verse, 
I want you to know that Jesus didn't have humanity's support. Surely he took up our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by pain, stricken by him and afflicted. You know, Jesus is on his way to the cross, and, and, and it's not like they're like, go Jesus, woo, I don't know who else can die for everyone's sins like that, Ooh, Jesus, that's a lot, but you know what, you can do it. Go Jesus, woo, come on Jesus, keep going, keep going Jesus, it's for everybody, keep going. No, that's no. Not at all. People were like, I don't know this, brother. Like, I don't want to be associated. I'm not trying to get caught up. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to even think that like we're related in any type of way. We we don't I mean, people are ducking out of the way. They're not trying to be related to Jesus. They're not trying to be connected to Jesus. Jesus gets on this cross. He certainly don't have humanity support. They're not cheering him on. You keep going, Jesus. You got this. That's not happening at all. He got on that cross because God loves you, not because we gave him support. He got on that cross because that was the only way that we would ever experience hope and healing. That was the only way that we would ever have access to the Father. He got on that cross because the Father willed this so that we can have this relationship, so that we can be forgiven and restored and healed. And the people turned around and said, he must have been a sinful person who deserved what he got. And they still didn't understand the what or why he did what he did. But verse 5 clears it up. Verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Someone say our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Someone say our iniquities. See, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Someone say by his wounds we are healed. See, he went through what he went through not because he deserved it. Not because he was a sinful people, sinful person, but because we were sinful people. He got what we deserved. Our ugly deserves death. Our sin deserves death. And Jesus took all of that from us. When he died a gruesome, painful death. He took all of that from us. All of that. All of that. By his wounds, we are healed. This is to mean forgiven, set free from spiritual bondage. And I want you to understand this in this context because he takes what's on you and takes it off of you. And it's like it, it went right there to his arm. And he takes what was on you and he, and, and he puts it right there on his leg. Whatever it is you've done, whatever ugly, whatever sin, all of that, whatever on you deserves it, he takes it off of you and it, and it went on him. He took all of it. He took all of it. Oh, yeah, you've been into that one thing? Oh, yeah, he took that. Oh, you've been watching? Oh, you've been doing that? Oh, you've been, that's been happening? You think those all? He takes all of that and he puts it on him. And it's by his wounds we're healed. 
right, to mean forgiven, this spiritual bondage, healed from the grip of sin. Only Jesus can break the chains. Whatever it is that you're dealing with and you're trying to walk it out, but it feels like it's got you enslaved. It just keeps like a cycle. Only Jesus can break the chains. Only he can set us free. Verse 6, we are all, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I want to, I want to, I want to say it this way, and I, to hear me. We have all taken part in the pain Jesus went through. We have, every single one of us. We'll think, ah, I, w- I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with that. I probably, I probably would have stood up. I pro- I, Jesus would have had my support. I would have been there cheering him on, Jesus, go. No. We have all taken part in the pain Jesus went through, all of us. Because God took what's on you, and he took it off of you and put it on him. He did it and put it on him so that you can be free. So that you can have access. So that you can experience hope and healing. God had to take every ugly and put it on Jesus. He had all of it. All of it. God, not that one thing. I don't know how I, I could ever be separated. All of the ugly. He took it off and put it on Jesus. It was the only way. It was the only way. In verse 7 it says this. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. You see, Jesus didn't go to the cross and say, you know what, I don't deserve this. I don't, I don't deserve any of this. It ain't me, it's them. Get them, get them. It ain't me. Jesus wasn't responding that way. As you go back and you see how prophetic this is and how powerful is this, as you look at the, the gospel stories and all of the eyewitnesses and everything that they wrote down, you see how exactly this is true. As Jesus stood before Pilate and he had every chance to try to say, listen, man, I've never done a wrong thing done in my life. He did not do that. What did he do? He stayed silent. He knew what he was doing. He was taking all of our ugly to the cross. He was going to leave it there. He was going to kill it there. He was going to be done with it there. When he said, it is finished, all of it, Jesus stayed silent. He stayed silent. He knew the truth. But he knew who he was doing it for. You need to know today you matter. You need to know you matter. You need to know that our heavenly father knows you, thinks about you, is for you, and is the most patientest person you could ever imagine. Because some of us, we need a little extra time. 
Come on, somebody. <laughs> but he loves you. You matter. You matter to him. He kept his head down. And he did what he had to do. Even with all your complaining sometimes. Come on, somebody. Even with all your complaining sometimes. Sometimes that's us. With all of our complaining sometimes, he kept his head down and he did what he had to do. Verse 8. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. Who stood up for him? He was judged and condemned in front of all the people. He was punished for our sin. Who, 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 who stood up? Who said, oh, no, I ain't letting Jesus take my place. No, 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 no. Actually, actually, you know what? I was the wrong one who did the wrong. That wasn't Jesus. There was, that was not happening. Verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. You know, verse 9 is, 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 is amazing because if, if you know what happens to Jesus um, right after his, his death, you know, there's a few of his followers, they go and they request his body. And one of them is, is a rich man, and he has his own private tomb. And so they take Jesus' body and they put him in the private tomb of this rich man. But see, at the same time, in biblical times, it's, it's, it, in many cases, rich men were also connected with, with the wicked, the way that it says there, because a lot of times they, they came up on their financial gain by, 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 by inappropriate or by wicked ways, wicked schemes, and so they were related to in that way. But as you look at the Gospels, you look at the eyewitness stories, and you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you look at this, you see that there was this rich man that was used, and Jesus was buried in this tomb. This is what happened to him. And there was, he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see the offspring, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Did you see that it was the Lord's will to crush him? This was God's plan. This is what we talk about when you understand that the Father sent the Son. This was the Lord's will to crush him, for him to suffer so that he would be this offering for sin. But then it says this, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. Right? To see his offspring, to see his creation return as his children. He, 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 will, he will see the fruits. And I want you to understand that you're his fruits. 
He, he, he gets on this cross and takes all the ugly, all the ugly, the filth, all the ugly, all the sin, everything that deserves death, everything in it. He takes it all. And when you choose to accept him as Lord and Savior, genuinely, not some just religious ritual that you do, but, but genuinely, Jesus as Savior and Lord. So he's now the Lord of my life. He's now navigating my life. I now do things to honor him above everything else. I'm not following the Lord because of somebody else. I'm following the Lord because of me. Because me and him. Because I'm responding to him. And when you respond to him that way, you become the fruit of his work. The fruit of his labor. So he can come to a place and say, look, you're part of this. You're this offspring. You go from creation to child, a child who he loves dearly. And this is as he will see his offspring and prolong his days after his resurrection. And, then, and, and, then, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Jesus becomes the executor of God's will and planned. Can you begin to see who Jesus is? This is why you can experience the miracle in your life. This is why you can see the hand of God. This is why you can take your faith and the limits on out, out of the box. Verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Oh, to be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. A reference to the resurrection of Christ, but also the satisfaction of the work that he's done for us all. Especially when he sees us turn it around. Especially when he sees us choose to do the right thing. We're walking through this life. We say, you know, I don't do that no more. I don't walk in that. Both chains are broken. That's not who I am. I got a new identity. I'm a child of God. And he looks back, he's like, he's, wow. Ooh. There's a satisfaction within him. Because he had a plan for you, and now you're walking out that plan. So Jesus is satisfied. He's, there's contentment, there's joy, there's peace, there's happiness. Not only because of what he did for everybody, but when you take it and you're walking it out and you're living it out and you're choosing to say no to the world and yes to God, there's a satisfaction within him. Because he meant to justify many. That when you accept Jesus, you are forgiven and therefore justified and made right before God. You're now a child of God. You're not a sinner, you're a saint. You're God's child. And verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the greats, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, counted among those who have sinned, who have broken God's laws. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is who Jesus is. Karen? This is who Jesus is and why you can find hope and healing in Christ. And you think about these words. These words are written 700 years before Jesus would be born. 
you think about these holy, holy words. As I mentioned, this is written by the prophet Isaiah. You see me here. I'm, 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 I'm reading the Bible and the scriptures to you from here, and you're, you're seeing it on the screen. And, 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 and I'm just, you know, God has used technology, and we use it in different ways. But you might have a, a book Bible, and, and that's great. But before anything was ever in a book, there were scrolls. Ancient writings, ancient old paper scrolls. And before the scrolls, there was tablets. And things were written down and preserved and made available. And now there's a book and now you have an app or however it is that you use. But specifically, with the scrolls of Isaiah, as we have found these ancient writings, we have found the ancient scrolls. And we see this work where the Holy Spirit came upon Isaiah and wrote down prophetic utterances of things that Jesus would do and would take place in his life 700 years before it happened. So go through the 53rd chapter and compare it with the gospel writings and see if every bit of these 12 verses happens in the gospel because it matches perfectly. Why is this so important for us? Because you need to know why you have access to hope and healing. You need to know why there is nothing impossible for God. What's the giant? What's been standing in front of you? What has been intimidating you? How has the spirit of fear tried to grip you? Try to tell you no way? There's no way? And you, and, 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 and you pray and you love the Lord, but there hasn't been no proof of your faith. You need to understand why putting your faith in God in this box is a mistake. Unleash your faith in God. Let it out of the box and know that you do not have a grip on what God can do. Just know that there's nothing he cannot do because he can do it. He can do the miracle. He can set you free. He can break chains. He can restore. He can work out the finances. He can open the door. There is nothing he cannot do. He can do it. He can do it. Today I want to close just some time of worship. Worship the Lord. I want our faith to grow. The Lord is leading us that our faith would grow. Would you believe him today? Would you believe, believe him? Would you, in any negative thought, would you just cast that out? I, I, I am not going to let that negative thought just twirl around in my head anymore. I, and God can do it. So I'm going to stop thinking that way. Here's my challenge for you. Today, speak your faith out loud. There is nothing impossible for God. He can do it in my life. Speak it out. Speak it out. Activate faith at a whole new level. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, 
by the power of your Holy Spirit, I thank you for all that you are doing in and through your church today. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters and the opportunity to have just to, just to see our faith just grow, take a new step, take a leap. And Father, we desperately need you. The truth is we've, we've got all kinds of stuff. Father, but there is freedom in this house today. There is freedom. And I speak in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan, I break your chains today. The grip that you have had on God's people, we break those chains today in Jesus' name. Your power is loosened. We cancel your powers. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We bind you in the name of Jesus. And we cast you out in the name of Jesus. In the name of the great I am that I am. We close the gate in the heavenly realm. And in the spiritual realms, we come against Satan and all his demonic forces, the principalities, the darkness, all the rankings, all the, 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 the spiritual, all of that. You cannot touch God's people. There is freedom in this place today. There is healing in this place today. There is the free movement of the Holy Spirit today in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you, Father. Thank you for giving us access to this power. And today we call on this power. And today we believe that there's nothing impossible for you. Today we unleash our faith that you can do it in our lives. That giant is coming down. That giant is getting cut up. That giant is being weakened. That giant is about to die. We are believing you, God for greater things in Jesus' name. With nobody looking around here today, you say, hey, the truth is I haven't been living right with God, but I recognize, I see his mercy, his grace, and if God can forgive me, then I want to be forgiven. I do, I do, I do want a fresh start. I do want a new opportunity. I do want to be right. I want to be right. And if that's you today and you believe that the Father sent the Son and the Son took all of your ugly, all of your sin and killed it on the cross. And now it's my job to, to pick up that free gift. If you want what he has for you and you want that forgiveness and you want to be made new, there's a lot of people that choose to say, no, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. But if that's you today and you want that, you want, to, you, you want to commit to who God is? If that's you, would you quickly just put your hand up and then down? Is there anybody today? I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Anybody else? A couple of us. Says, Thank you so much. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hands. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. And we ask for your mercy and your grace. No, it's not because we deserve any of this. It's because this is what you did for us anyway. So, Father, we're not going to believe. We're not going to allow that lie to, to tell us that we've done too much ugly or too much wrong to be forgiven by you. We're not going to believe that lie. Today, we accept your mercy. We accept your grace. 
we accept your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, what you did for us on that cross. Yeah, we weren't cheering you on. But today we are grateful. We are humbled. We are blessed that we would even have this opportunity to be made right, to truly turn to you, to stop playing games, to get serious, to really receive your love. And so today we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that yes, Jesus, that you are Lord, that you did get on that cross and that we are set free. So by faith, in Jesus' name, we receive eternal life. We receive the forgiveness of our sins and we are made new. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.